0: Ephesians Be very careful then how you live, the apostle says, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. When Jesus spoke to Martha, he is asking her to take responsibility. continuing this at the table series. We are looking at meals that Jesus shared uh, that are uh, talked about in Luke's gospel. And uh, we're going to go again to a Pharisee's house this weekend to look at this and think about religion, religion versus relationship, religion versus relationship. So let's jump in. Luke chapter 11 and verse 37 says this. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal, so he went in and took his place at the table. The host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness, fools. Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor and you will be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, from your herb gardens. (laughs) For you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yeah, but do not, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow awaits you, for you are like hidden graves in a field. People walk over them without knowing the corruption they are stepping on. Teacher, said an expert in religious law, you have insulted us too in what you have just said. You know, preaching is an incredible privilege and can lead to some fascinating moments. Standing on a platform and preaching. While preaching, I've had people yell at me because they were mad. I've had them jump up and walk out during the sermon. Don't even think about it. I've had people fall asleep, not only fall asleep, but then snore so loudly that others thought it was a Sunday happening, uh, and I've had some interesting experiences preaching um, around the world. Uh, one time, I spent five days teaching um, a group of Sri Lankan refugees, and their language being Tamil, and uh, I had an interpreter, a translator, working with me. And uh, we had a fun time. I mean, three days, and I would inject a little humor into the proceedings, and they laughed, and, and that was great. And About halfway through the third day, I turned to the translator, and I said, this is interesting that humor is translating across cultural boundaries. They're getting my humor. And she smiled and said, They don't get it at all. I said, but but they're laughing when I say something amusing. And she said, what happens is I say to them, Jeff just said something funny. Please laugh now. (laughs) Three agonizing days. These beautiful people laughed on command. Embarrassing. But the worst experience I ever had preaching was when I was in Sicily preaching morning and evening and I made the pastor so mad he cancelled me at lunchtime. Oh yeah baby. I was there for an anti-mafia march. The Evangelical Christians in Sicily, weary of the influence of the mafia in their culture. By their thousands, they decided to march against the mafia. And um, they invited me to go and speak in the city square and address them. And personally, I felt that Pastor Darry should go. for that. But uh, I went and then preaching on the Sunday morning. I go into this church and uh, the women are not allowed to sit with the men. And the women all had to wear these long veils that covered their heads and most of them. And I'm like, this is culturally, this is kind of this kind of weird. So, I preach. We go back to the pastor's house for lunch and we're talking through a translator. Because my, my Italian is limited. I only have one word in Italian, which is gelato. So, <laughs> can't go very far with that. And... Uh, he said through the translator, he said, I want to know what you think of our women wearing the veils. And I'm thinking, here we go. So I'm trying to be culturally sensitive. And I said, sir, uh, I'm a guest in your country. I, I think it's not really appropriate for us to get into this. And he said, I want to know what you think. And he looked kind of mean. And I've been evading the mafia for the last 24 hours, so... I'm thinking, I do not want to wake up with a horse's head. So, I probably should respond. So, I I said, sir, can we talk about this another time? I said, it would be very good to talk. And he hit the table. He said, you tell me right now what you think. So, I said, "All right. I think it's misogynist. I think it's it's, uh, discriminatory. I think it's a misuse of scripture. I think that for freedom Christ has set us free, that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Jesus is the liberator of women. He is not the oppressor of women. That's what I think. Yeah, he didn't respond like you just did. He went ballistic. And it was so bad, I kind of had to excuse myself from the table. I'm staying at his house. I went for a nap. And I'm like, dear God, what do I do? And then I got, had a shower, got ready to go and speak at the church in the evening. I came out with my Bible. He said, you won't be needed tonight. You are cancelled with your liberal views. Since when is freedom for women liberal? And it was tense and it was awkward and it was embarrassing. Here in the second of three meals that Jesus shared with Pharisees that is described in Luke's Gospel, it's kind of tense. It's really tense. And, and what's surprising is that Jesus faced up op- such opposition from the Pharisees. Actually, you might have thought that he would have teamed up with them because there were lots of common objectives that Jesus and the Pharisees actually shared. The Pharisees, a group, a lay people group that formed about 200 years before Christ, they were committed not only to holy living, the word Pharisee means separate, but they wanted the nation to get right with God, and they had a political, religious, social vision that if the nation got right with God, God would bless the nation. They loved God's word. They loved the law. They believed in prayer. A Pharisee was expected to pray for three hours a day. They were not upper class like the Sadducees. They came from the working classes like Jesus. Unlike the Sadducees, they believed in the resurrection. They believed in angels and demons. They believed in the supernatural. Unlike the zealots, they were committed, at least theologically, to non-violence. But they became bitter enemies of Jesus. He's becoming more popular. Luke tells us in chapter 12 that crowds of thousands are gathering now. So many that they are trampling on each other. Jesus is getting popular. And as he gets popular, this Pharisee invites him for a meal and conflict breaks out. And there's tension first of all around what Jesus, what he didn't do. This hand-washing, we're going to come back to it, but this hand-washing ceremony had nothing to do with hygiene and nothing to do with the law. It was a custom that the Pharisees had adopted. And Jesus didn't just forget to do it. Jesus is making a provocative statement to nurture a conversation. He does this deliberately. There's also tension created by what he said. In Roman culture, in Hebrew culture, boisterous table time conversations were expected. But this crosses the line. I mean, this is so aggressive. I mean, imagine going to someone's home for dinner and, you know, you're just working your way through dessert and you say, oh, by the way, I think you're like a, a grave, actually. Full of stinking flesh. I'm, I'm thinking the invitation to come back is not going to happen. And when you look at Eugene Peterson's translation or rendition of this, man, I mean, some of us are going to be kind of offended by the message. Because he captures the, the confrontation. Listen to how he, he, he shares this. This is the same passage of scripture in the message version. I know you Pharisees burnish the surface of your cups and plates so they sparkle in the sun, but I also know your insides are maggoty with greed and secret evil. Stupid Pharisees, didn't the one who made the outside also make the inside? Turn both your pockets and your hearts inside out and give generously to the poor, then your lives will be clean, not just your dishes and your hands. I have had it with you. You are hopeless, you Pharisees. You keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get, but you manage to find loopholes for getting around basic matters of justice and God's love. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. You are hopeless, you Pharisees. You're frauds. You love living, you love sitting at the head table at church dinners. You love preening yourself in the radiance of public flattery. Frauds. You're just like unmarked graves. People walk over that nice, grassy surface never suspecting the rot and corruption that is six feet under. And then, I love this, the next verse. One of the religion scholars spoke up, Teacher, do you realize that in saying these things, you're insulting us? (laughs) Yeah! You see, Jesus is wanting to expose the difference between what I would like to describe as mere religiosity and true relationship with God. I'm not crazy about religion. The New Testament only talks about religion a couple of times, and really in terms that try to identify what true faith is. I'm not crazy about religion. Sometimes, sometimes people ask me, you know, I'm on an airplane or something, and people say, what do you do? And I like to play a game. I say, well, why don't you guess? And they normally say, well, you're probably a male fashion model. <laughs> Steady on. Now they've never ever said that for obvious reasons. And I, I we get, we go backwards and forwards and then I say, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And they go, what? <laughs> I'm a pastor, because in England, pastor is like spaghetti. And here is pastor. Um. Oh, it's confusing. <laughs> and I, they say you're a you're a pastor. you're a minister of religion. And I say, yeah, but you know what? Just, just can we can we delete religion? Because frankly, between me and you, I hate religion. I hate religion. Religion's messing the world up. I'm not into religion. I want to be into loving Jesus. And being a kingdom person. And there is a difference between mere religion and a relationship with God. So let's dive in here. What's the difference? First of all, mere religion. Follow in the bulletin, if you will. Mere religion passionately majors on minors. Mere religion passionately majors on minors. Verse 38. His host was amazed to see that he sat down without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish what? Jewish custom this was not law in exodus chapter 30 the priests were required to ceremonially wash their hands before entering into the tent of meeting in deuteronomy chapter 21 the elders of a city were required to ceremonially wash their hands if there was an unsolved murder case that's it but there was no law about this this was simply a tradition now we know exactly what they did and uh, I have a, a worthy assistant who's gonna help me to demonstrate um, what they actually did this is pastor Brent Cunningham you met, met him earlier I feel, like your... I feel like I'm your butler or something do you have a butler well like Mountain Abbey yeah no but you could apply if you want you know what Excuse us a minute. You've got the perfect name for a butler. Like, Cunningham. (laughs) Cunningham. Don't you think? I'm not going to do this when you teach on foot washing, by the way. (laughs) Okay. Back to the message. So what they would do, they would take the water of 14 egg cups. Okay. Okay. I don't know why. Fourteen egg cups. And the Pharisee would hold their hands out like this with their fingers extended upwards and then water would be poured and the idea was that the water would then flow off at the wrist because it would now become unclean. And then after that, by the way, I'm wired up to the PA and we're playing with water. <laughs> so if I explode, just carry on. And then fingers pointed down, then the whole process would be repeated. Again, the water running off at the wrist because it's now unclean. And then the Pharisee would rub their hands with their fists like this and the process would be completed. Would you please express your appreciation to the man called Cunningham? It had nothing to do with the law. It was a custom. Hands are still wet. These Pharisees, they had laws and regulations that weren't biblically based about everything. I've told you about it before. They had a law about whether you could pray while you're up in a tree. If a man was touched by a mouse, was he unclean? They had another another principle. They said, if a man was baking bread while naked... And then wanted to offer the bread as an offering. Was it unclean? I mean that one's been worrying me for quite a while. Let me tell you. (laughs) They had a rule that if a man discovered that a bird. A sparrow or something. Had got beneath his robe. On the Sabbath. He had to keep it there. (laughs) Because to lift his robe would be working. So he had to keep the sparrow there. For the whole Sabbath. Can you imagine that guy in church? What's the matter with you? It's right, I've got a sparrow in my shorts, you know. <laughs> my point is this they majored on minors, and we can do that. There is a core to our faith which is non-negotiable. The death and resurrection of Christ. We're never gonna, we're never gonna waver on the core essentials of our faith, but there will be disagreement in this room about the outworking of some matters of faith. Let's not major on minors. Let's disagree agreeably. And don't focus on small issues in your relationships. That's a popular way of putting it. Don't sweat the small stuff. Churches can do that. I I love our unity in Timberline, but it's amazing what churches argue about. One church, I discovered, argued because the church budget was off by 10 cents. Someone eventually gave a dime and settled the argument. Another church, these are real, actually argued over what type of green beans the church should serve at a potluck. I can answer that. None of them. (laughs) Another one debated whether the church should serve deviled eggs. (laughs) Satanic eggs. (laughs) Apparently angel food cake went down well. Sweat the small stuff. Religion is endlessly picky. Secondly, secondly, mere religion looks clean on the outside but covers a greedy heart. It looks clean on the outside but it covers a greedy heart. Then the Lord said to him, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. Inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? By the way, Jesus is... Jumping on board an argument that was going on at the time between two rabbinic schools, the school of Shammai and the school of Hillel, Shammai believed that a cup could be clean even if the inside was not. Hillel believed the inside of the cup must be cleansed first. And they're arguing about this. And Jesus uses this debate as a way of saying, God looks at the heart. Simeon prophesied over the baby Jesus that through this child the thoughts of men and women would be revealed. And now this Pharisee, Jesus, is looking straight through him because he's faking it. And Jesus used the word to describe the Pharisees, which is the word hypocrite. Do you know that word comes from the culture? In Jesus' day, there were... A group of actors, they would appear at funerals and they would cry, even though they didn't know the deceased. They would tear their robes along seams so they could stitch them up before they went on to the next job. They also performed plays and they wore masks and they were known as the Hippocrates. There was a theatre near Jesus' birth, or, or the place where he was raised, I should say, In a city called Sepphoris, there was a theater there where the Hippocrates would perform. So Jesus borrows the language to expose this faking it. Now, it's easy to fake it, isn't it? You know, you came to church this morning. Maybe you're you're a family person. You've got young children. Your kids were acting up this morning. They weren't acting up the... Biblical prophecy was being fulfilled in your car because it was like the Battle of Armageddon. You're driving here, you drive in here, you—you kid me, you, quit that yelling, and you're grounded for the next 75 years. And then you pull on to the Timberline parking lot. You get out of your car and you see a friend from Timberline. Hey, buddy, God bless you, happy Fourth. Great to see you. Praise the Lord. Your kids are looking at you in amazement. Because two minutes ago, you were Dracula. But now look at you. I remember playing this game when I first became a Christian. Everybody at our church that I was part of, we used to say praise the Lord and amen a lot. You know, it was part of our conversation. So I thought, I've got to get with this. This is so embarrassing. I locked myself in my bedroom and I stood in front of the mirror and I practiced. How to say praise the Lord convincingly. What you do is this. You tilt your head slightly to the left. A cosmic faraway look comes into your eyes. And then you say praise the Lord. Okay let's do it. Let's practice. Let's do it. Come on. Come on, come on. Okay. Tilt the head slightly to the left. The left. This is not going well, people. Okay, far away look, far away look. Man, you people are good at that. Okay, after three, one, two, three. Praise the Lord. You people have been practicing too, haven't you? I'm not talking even about that. I'm just talking really about faking it as a lifestyle. You know, you come here and put on the church face you're not into this it's just keeping the peace things are better at home if you show up here and... but it's fake is it time today to break out of fake because Jesus sees through by the way a quick word before we move on about hypocrites people often say well I don't go to church it's full of hypocrites they're wrong I'll tell you why We are not hypocrites because we never said we've arrived. We're the people who say we're sinners. We're the people who say we need rescuing. We're the people who don't say we've arrived, but we're on the journey. A hypocrite is someone who pretends that they've arrived, but then just fakes it. But are we doing some faking it in our lives? Number three. Number three. Mere religion sounds spiritual but ignores justice and the love of God. It sounds spiritual, but ignores justice and the love of God. One of the strangest verses in the New Testament you're you're seeing. So clean the inside, how? By giving gifts to the poor. And you will be clean all over. What? What? Jesus doesn't say clean the inside by being sorry for your sins. Although that's important. He doesn't invite us to an inner holiness which is just isolated to us. But rather there is a social dynamic which means that he is not suggesting that we are saved by works, that as we give to the poor that saves us. But he is saying focus on what is important and justice and compassion are fundamentally important to the heart of God therefore he says to the Pharisees I think he says to us your attitude to the poor is a part of that some years ago I was leading a conference in England and we had a guest preacher speaker Tony Campolo you heard of Tony Campolo dynamic speaker And he stood up in front of thousands of people and if I said exactly what he said, some of you would be really upset, so I'm not going to bother with it. I'm going to just give you a summary. Tony Campolo said, 23,000 children died last night in our world because of unnecessary poverty. And then he said, and most of us don't give a and he said a word not normally used in Christian circles. And he cussed. And the room went real quiet. And then he said this. And he said, The real tragedy is that many of us are more upset because I said a bad word than because 23,000 children died last night. Something is wrong. And when we look at what Jesus says, we realize, and I want you to listen to this really carefully, Jesus is not a party politician, but Jesus, if politics is the matters of the city, polis, that's where the word comes from, then Jesus is the ultimate politician. I'll tell you why. You see, we want to lock him up in a sacred spiritual world. We're getting out of here and going to heaven when we die. But no, no, you can't do that to Jesus. Because Jesus comes and he says, "You Pharisees, here's how you get clean. You get concerned about the poor. He says, We're in a culture where a Roman officer could say to a Jew, carry my bag a mile, that was legal. And Jesus subverts that. And he says, no, no, carry it two miles. In a culture that says, hate your enemies. Get them before they get you. He says, love your enemies. In a culture where we can be so preoccupied with ourselves, he says, love your neighbor. And I can almost hear someone saying, well, that that doesn't fit with my politics. Our politics must be founded on our theology. Our theology should never be in contradiction with our politics. Here's what happens so often. We have a political view, we have a theological view, and the political view shapes the theology rather than the theology shaping the political view. And in these days of uncertainty, here in America, in these days of uncertainty, certainly in Europe, we've got to wrestle with this stuff and say, God, how do I allow what I Believe and live to be shaped by what you say. And Jesus had no time for a religion that ignored social issues. It was John Wesley, the great revivalist, who said that if religion is to be authentic, it must include the social justice that God is concerned about. But the last thing is this. And that is that mere religion feeds pride rather than genuine humility. Mere religion feeds pride rather than genuine humility. Look at what Jesus said. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? You love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. They were so much about pride and show. They would whiten their faces when they were fasting, they would put ashes on their heads. When they were fasting, they, they wanted everyone to know. Calvin, the reformer, believed that when they gave offerings, they would actually blow a trumpet. Pride had crept into their faith. Religion can do that. None of us are immune from it. I'm going to to just tell you one more story, which again makes me look really bad. And I just so want to tell you a story that makes me look good, but I just don't have any. (laughs) Some years ago, I was leading, co-leading a conference back in England. We had people come from every denomination for a week of teaching. And at its peak, we had 62,000 people at this conference. It was huge. And I remember one night preaching in the main gathering and it went well. People laughed at the right time without the help of a translator. And more importantly than any of that, the response to God and God's word was, was great. I went back to my room and the next morning I walked over to the to the bookstore, and they they're, they're selling cassette tapes of the sermons. Does anyone remember cassette tapes? It's ancient Victorian stuff, and <laughs> tapes and things. And they've they got a big sign up that says Jeff Lucas's message last night available here. And there's a big line of people, big line. And I'm like, hmm. feeling feeling pretty good. I go over to the bookstore and the, there's a big line of people buying my books. And I'm like, hmm. And someone came up to me and said, Jeff, it's you. <laughs> Would you sign my book? And I went, oh, no, 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 no. Yes! I signed the book. And I walked off a little spring in my step. And I'm walking through the conference center and people are nudging each other. It's him from last night. Ian. I'm telling you, honey, I got back to my room. I, my head was so big I had to grease my ears to get in the door. <laughs> and then I felt like God spoke to me and said, Famous for a day, are we? <laughs> Pathetic. Pathetic. But you see, we can all do it. Impressing each other. Here's a sentence guaranteed to impress. Try this with your friends over lunch. When I was praying this morning at 5am. Here's another great one. When I was reading Leviticus through in one sitting just the other day. But more importantly... Pride can creep in and we start to forget that we are sinners saved. And we look down over certain people groups and we think we're better. And our tone begins to reflect our sense of superiority. Religion, mere religion, puffs people up. True relationship with Christ causes us to walk in grateful humility. Give me Jesus any day and if you will keep religion. I don't want it. Let's pray. Thank you so much Lord for the reality that you loved that Pharisee so much you were willing to share an awkward lunch because you wanted him to step out of a picky majoring on minors way of thinking when we do that Lord would you rescue us when we when we fall out over things that don't really matter, when we become picky in our friendships, in our marriages, when we're just waiting to point out what's wrong all the time. Whatever drives us to do that, would you help us and heal us? Lord, would you presence yourself in this moment because perhaps... Some of us have been really faking it for a long time. And it isn't that we just put on a smiley face at church. Some of us, our hearts are a million miles from you, but we show up here and we do the church thing. We close our eyes for the prayers. and we, But we know we're faking it. By your Spirit, Would you break through? Every head is bowed right now. I wonder, where are the people here today who would be brave enough, and this is a big deal I'm asking, who would be brave enough to say, Pastor Jeff, I have been consistently faking it. And God knows my heart and I want to change that. As every head is bowed, If that's where you're at, I've been faking it and I want to get real. I'm going to ask you just please right now to slip up your hand and hold it there. Be bold enough to do that. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for your courage. Lower your hands. Thank you for people who are serious enough with you. To want to be real with you. You know where each one is. This week, pull up a chair, Lord, at the table of their life. Please show us in a world that wrestles with issues of poverty and justice. Help us, whatever our particular political persuasion help. Please help us to know your heart. What matters to you and how we can reflect that heart. And when we're tempted to display our spirituality, when we're tempted with attitude and tone to look down, feeling we're superior, help us to remember that it's grace that has kept us safe thus far. And grace will lead us home. So help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.